Hi, everyone, and welcome to another mini-sode. My name is Stephanie, and this is my co-host, Sandy. Hey, everyone. So as I'm sure I've mentioned a million times before, I love reality television and competition shows like (laughs) The the MTV The Challenge, Survivor, which I finished binging all 40 seasons of. Mm. I did it, I think, within a month. Congrats. If not less. And so there is a new streaming service called Paramount+. Plus. Paramount Plus, when it launched, it launched in conjunction or they have some sort of like agreement with MTV. So a ton of MTV's shows are on there now with Mm -hmm. like old seasons, including old seasons of the real world. And so when I finished binging Survivor, (laughs) I needed something else to watch while I work. Mm -hmm. And so I started rewatching all of the earlier seasons of the real world. And one of the last seasons I watched was the real world Las Vegas. Mm. And this all, there's a point to all of this because among its cast members is a guy by the name of Alton who is from San Diego and whose little brother's murder is the reason why I was captivated by true crime at a really young age. Really? And so I was watching and I was like, I should really do the story. And it wasn't only because it happened in San Diego. Did they talk about this murder in the real world? Because I remember watching it. And I feel like I remember Alton. I don't remember that story. So he um, he talks about it like almost it's like I would say like the last half of the season. He okay. doesn't really dive into it. Mm-hmm. But he does get into it towards the end. And he has a phone call with his mom. And mm. the mom is talking about how she's going to like one of like the appeals um, because the guy was on death row. Okay. And so he was going through all of his appeals and. The mom, his mom, went to all of them Mm. to make sure that the appeals were never approved. Yeah. So he was talking about that and just like asking her how how he was or how she was doing with it. And then in another one or like in another episode, they had like a team building um, day. Mm -hmm. And um, it like got super deep at the end. Mm. But they basically like they got into like their fears and their like things that hold them back in life or whatever. And like he starts crying and talking about how he felt like he was responsible for his brother's death because he was supposed to be with him. And then he ended up not going along with them. And so he feels like had he been there, he feels a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. about it. So he he goes into it a, a little bit, but I just remember like when I watched that season and realized who he was, cause mm-hmm. I looked it up. I was like, Oh my God, I know this. Case. I know this case. Like this is literally like the, the furthest memory back I have of like a, a crime that has just stuck with me, it's this one. It's not the little boys, is it, in IB? Mm-hmm. Fuck stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. So not only is did this stick with me because it happened in San Diego, um, but it happened when I was really young. I was about mm-hmm. five years old, and it happened really, really close to where I was living and where I grew up. So today I'm going to be telling you about the murders of Charlie Kiever and Jonathan Sellers and how a serial killer fell through the criminal system cracks, which led to the death of the two boys. This is awful. I know. Why are you doing I, this to because, us? You want to know why? So not only did I watch this season um, like this, I think this is the I, this is the last season I watched. Mm-hmm. I'm on another one now, but I haven't finished it. So it's the last one I watched. But also Tim decided to take me to dinner the other day. Mm-hmm. Our first time, like, at a restaurant since <laughs> since we've been vaccinated and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to C-180 in IV. Yeah. I drove down Palm, and I 
kid you not, every time I drive down Palm Avenue, that's when I drive past that intersection on Saturn, Mm -hmm. that's what I think about. Like, I can't help but think about that. Also, all of my family lived in IB at one point or another, and we're we all haven't ventured too far from from IB, so there's just so much history in that yeah. in that beach town. So let's just get into it. Scott Erskine began killing in 1989, but was not connected to the crime he committed for 15 years. During that time, he raped and assaulted countless men and women and killed two young boys. Scott was born in the winter of 1962 in San Diego, California. And at only five years old, he ran into traffic on Pacific Coast Highway and was hit by a car. Oh, so jeez. Yeah. He would actually spend 60 days in a coma in a hospital due to the accident and would complain to his mother about having headaches and experiencing blackouts, which would result in memory loss, mm. which head injury. Yeah. Is a big thing, right? Yes. When it comes to serial killers. Mm-hmm. So before I start getting into... The rest of the story, I should probably just warn you guys. So this is your trigger warning. Um, he does a lot of awful things to children. So if that is something you don't want to listen to, maybe listen to another minisode because this is the murder of two little boys. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a very sick person. Mm-hmm. So just be warned. By the age of 10, he had been labeled a problem child at school and was enlisted in special classes where he could be monitored. At this time, he began molesting his six-year-old sister, forcing her to give him oral sex. Shortly after he started abusing his sister, he moved on to abusing her friends, threatening to kill them if they didn't let him do whatever he wanted to do to them. Wow. So clearly, he is a monster at a very, very young age Mm -hmm. because he was only 10 at this time. At only 15 years old, he was placed in a juvenile detention center, but he wasn't there for long because he managed to escape. Immediately after his escape, he raped a 13-year-old at knife point. The following day, he assaulted a 27-year-old who had been out jogging um, by threatening her at knife point. In 1984, on his way to a job interview, he beat a teenager unconscious while attempting to rape him. Mm. For this attack, he was sentenced to four years in prison, but while in custody, he managed to rape a fellow inmate. Oh my gosh. And despite all of his offenses in prison, he was paroled only four years later. So there's not a lot. There's not a lot of like information on all of these like separate cases. Okay. It's just this is all I could find. But yeah. I mean, it's clear that he is a sick person who cannot mm-hmm. stop himself from doing awful, awful things. Mm-hmm. In 1988, he moved to Florida with a woman he had started dating. Which how did that happen? <laughs> who would date him? Oh. And that same year, they ended up getting married and having a son, which they named Brandon. The marriage, of course, did not last long because Erskine became abusive. Um, he was kicking his wife in the stomach while she was pregnant. Oh, no. Thankfully, she left his ass and he moved back to California. <laughs> Upon his return in 1993, he picked up a woman from a bus stop asking if she'd like to go back home with him. He then held this poor woman hostage for oh. several days, continuously sodomizing and raping her. Okay, so listen to this. Once he decided he was done with her, he gave her clothes to wear and cooked her steak. Then he drove her to the Hyatt Regency Hotel where she was going to be meeting a friend. He cooked her a steak and gave her clean clothes. Like, okay, I'm done with you, but here's this clothes and I'm here's so the nice. steak. It's just, uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's all over the place. All over the place. He's sick. The woman waited five days before eventually calling the police, but once she did, he was arrested outside of his apartment. He was convicted of kidnapping and raping her and was sentenced to 70 years in prison. 
He would also be registered as a sex offender, and because of the 1997 Wisconsin Act 6, he would need to submit his DNA. It was in 2001 that the cold case team in San Diego reopened the investigation of 9-year-old Jonathan Sellers and 13-year-old Charlie Kiever, who had been murdered in 1993. On March 27th of 1983, Charlie and John had decided to spend the day riding their bikes around their neighborhood and into the town of Imperial Beach, California, a small little beach town in the southernmost point of California. My family, like I said, has lived in IB since they first came to the States and have all remained there in its surrounding areas. At the time of the murders, we lived just maybe two to three miles from, mm-hmm. from where the crime had committed and frequented the businesses that I'll be mentioning in a bit. So this one really hits home for me. The boys rode their bikes to rallies, which is still there to this day, mm-hmm. and grabbed some food. And after finishing their food, the two went to the pet store to play with some of the dogs and cats inside while they talked to the store manager. I went to this pet store and the pet store is still there. And I think it's it could be under like different ownership, but the actual like it's still a pet Mm -hmm. store. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember going there all the time and like they had little dogs and they had hamsters and they Mm -hmm. had all of these like different things. And so it was such an IB thing to go to the pet store. So it makes so much sense that they would go there. Mm -hmm. After leaving the pet store, the boys rode their bikes to the secluded Otai River, which runs along the area behind the shopping center where the pet store is located. It was there that Erskine approached the two boys in his Volvo and blocked their path. So there's a bike, you know, there's a Mm -hmm. bike path Mm -hmm. right back there. Um, And so he had like parked his car along the like across the bike path so that Mm -hmm. they couldn't get through. He bound and gagged them and molested them for hours before eventually killing them. Two days later, their bodies were found by a cyclist riding down the path where Erskine had first trapped the boys. They had been discovered near their bikes in overgrown bushes on the west bank of the river behind the Home Depot that I would go to with my parents Mm -hmm. that still is there to this day. Mm -hmm. And so he had made, I don't know if he had made it or someone had made it, but he was like using it. But there was like a little stick igloo that Mm -hmm. someone had like made. And um, according to... Alton, mm-hmm. who would then tell his mom. So they started looking for the boys. He told his mom that they should go and look there because that was just one of the places he knew the little boys would go. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they were. That's where they ended up discovering them um, in that on right where the igloo was. Okay. There was like trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Both boys had been assaulted with injuries, including bite marks and genital mutilation, which was determined to have been done while they were still alive. Oh. Each had a noose around their neck and both had been stripped of their clothes. Charlie was found laying on top of John's clothes on the floor, and John was found hanging from a tree. Mm. From the semen collected from Charlie's mouth and cigarette butts found at the scene, the cold case team were able to test the sample with CODIS, and it was then that results came back with a positive match to Erskine, who had been in prison for the kidnapping and raping of the Mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they were able to close this case and find results and find closure because of this other crime that he had committed. So yeah. you're right. There would have been no point for to register him as a sex offender, but who knows if like maybe he they were thinking like he might get paroled at some point mm-hmm. or whatever the mm-hmm. case is, but because of that they were able to retest this and find a match. In October of 2003, the jury found him guilty but could not agree on a sentence. So the judge had to declare a mistrial on the penalty, only okay. the penalty. Mm-hmm. And so what I read was 11 of them wanted the death penalty, mm. but one was stuck on life without parole. Okay. 
In April of 2004, he was put before a new jury to decide his fate for the murders, and they returned a decision of the death penalty. And you'd think that the story ends there, but it doesn't, because now that Erskine was in CODIS, another cold case team from Florida was able to match his DNA to the unsolved murder of 26-year-old Renee Baker, who had been killed in June of 1989. Wow. So, I mean, again, incredible that they were able to do this, right? She died in the intercoastal waterway in Palm Beach where her neck had been broken and was left to drown. While Florida authorities suspect him of other unsolved murders in the area, they were unable to link him to any, but they mm-hmm. were like pretty sure it's him, but mm-hmm. there's just like not enough evidence. Yeah. In August of 2004, he was sentenced to life without parole after he confessed to the raping and killing of Renee Baker. So, I mean, it's just like another sentence yeah. on top of his yeah. sentence. While COVID took many innocent lives, it also took that of Scott Erskine, who died at the age of 57 in July of 2020, while in prison after contracting COVID. The infection, which was believed to have been caused by a transfer of 100 prisoners from Chino, where the rate of infection was one of the highest in the state system. Jonathan Sellers and Charlie Kiever have never been forgotten by their community. And in 2012, a park near Bayshore Park bikeway right by where holidays barbecue does their (laughs) pop-ups aka sandy and her husband thanks for the shameless plug (laughs) was dedicated to their memories Uh, a foundation has also been set up in the boy's name to promote the safety and well-being of children and to support families who have lost people as a result of another person Mm. and that is the incredibly sad story of the murders of jonathan seller and charlie kiever a murder that i think of every time i drive down palm avenue Mm -hmm. I remember how scared I was every time we would go to Home Depot or Mervyn's or even like the pet shop mm-hmm. um, because I would look past the buildings and think about the two little boys whose lives were taken much too soon and in such a horrible way. And it's funny because the murder was definitely used as a cautionary tale, um, I think, for like everyone who lived in IB mm-hmm. to make sure that you know, children never ventured off too far from their yeah. parents. Um, and it's probably why I'm so scared of everything to this day, because <laughs> I I remember like my mom and I don't think she did it to like I, she did it to scare me, but I don't think she did it to traumatize me, I guess I should say. <laughs> but, you know, whenever we would go to that plaza, because there's everything in that plaza. There was yeah. Bull Weevil. There is the pet store. There is Mervyn's, which is where I shopped all the time. There was a Home Depot. There's a Vons. So there's, there's like everything. There's an ice cream shop too. There is yeah. an ice cream shop. My optometrist was in there. Wow. So there's so many. I think for IB, like that was and probably still is the biggest little plaza mm-hmm. um, that has like all, all kinds of business, mm-hmm. businesses. So I think that my mom would definitely, she would tell me like, you know, you need to stay with me or you like don't go too far or yeah. don't talk to strangers, you know, like. The little boys were killed just right back there. Like, yeah. you, you know, you need to be careful. And that like that would always stick with me. And I remember like going to these places and just like looking outside and like looking past the buildings and mm-hmm. just thinking like, oh, my God, they were killed right back there. Like they were found right back there hanging from a tree back. Oh. So like, of course, that's traumatizing. Absolutely. But definitely a cautionary tale. And, you know, it's just it's so sad. I'd love to like be able to go into more of it, but a lot of it is just really gruesome and just yeah. unnecessary to like really discuss. But it's definitely one of those things that is kind of like that rocked the city and oh, rocked, sure. rocked IB at the time. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't live here in San Diego when it happened. And I actually didn't learn about it until we started doing the barbecue pop-ups. Yeah. I mean, we we set up really right next to their little memorial Mm -hmm. thing. And there was one time we were doing a pop-up and there's uh, like a park ranger that came by and he's like, you know, trying to get food. And he's like, just let you know, a bunch of people are about to come. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And he's like, well, it wasn't an annual thing, but it was some type of anniversary thing mm-hmm. that they were doing. And so he's like, we're just going to honor the boys. And I was like, what boys? Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that memorial was even there. And then it, it's like a picture of their faces, yeah. isn't it? Like, uh-huh. it's really nice. And a lot of people came and they brought flowers. And mm-hmm. like, it was this whole, I was like, actually there that day at that pop-up oh really and you'd mentioned that and i like i was just like oh my god i can't believe i'm here the Full like circle his mom is probably over there like it was just like so crazy to me to like know yeah because i didn't know that there was a memorial for them there yeah all right like because it's a little it's it's quite a way away from where they were because they oh, were fine mm-hmm. right behind the home depot mm-hmm. um so i had yeah, no is- idea um but it's like the pathway and the, mm-hmm. the bike way, like the bike path is there. I so think it, the like, ranger had said that they always used to ride right bike around there. there. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know. Did you stay for the ceremony? Mm-mm. No, I, I didn't. I didn't want to. It yeah. makes me sad. Yeah. I heard it was really nice. I'm and a sure lot of people went. And... Maybe I should have stayed. But it just makes me sad. Yeah. It just makes me really sad. And I don't know how, like, I don't, I, and I'm, and I know I wouldn't have to, but like, I just feel like I wouldn't know how to comfort someone, like, knowing that the parents might be there or like yeah. the moms might be there because they've been fighting. They had been fighting for so long. I mean, up mm-hmm. to, um, up to just, I mean, right before he died, obviously, like, whenever there was an appeal, mm-hmm. they would go wherever they needed to go up to Sacramento yeah. or whatever. Ugh to fight it so it's just something that they've been doing for so long and i just i don't know i feel like like i don't belong you know like but i'm a member of the community yeah it's rocked my world so maybe next time maybe next time we're out there maybe just like go and go and check it out well thank you for being (laughs) this really sad one i know i knew a little bit of it i didn't know all the details but it is very tragic and if you're local to San Diego, go check it out, the memorial. It's next to Trident Coffee in Imperial Beach. Thank you guys for letting me tell you my hometown murder. Yeah, it is your hometown Because that murder. really is my hometown. That's Like I said, that's the earliest story I could think of. I, I, I remember John Benet. Mm-hmm. Ramsey. But very mm-hmm. like... I just remember seeing her pictures all over the place and yeah. thinking like, oh my God, what happened to her? But this is the one where I was yeah. just like, oh my God, I'm like walking these streets. I'm going to the same places. So it's definitely my, what I would say is my hometown. Right. So thank you guys for letting me share, you know, a little bit about this awful story and these two little boys who were taken too early by a sick, sick man. Don't forget to follow us on social media under Unjustly Podcast and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue doing our work. Thank you for sticking with us and stay tuned for next week's full episode. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.